here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rap Fantasy Football Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Nine Route Fantasy Football Podcast. We are going into week 13. We're coming out of our turkey coma and looking to get into action uh, as the season winds down, uh, both in the NFL and in fantasy. I know in our league, we just have a couple of weeks left uh, vying for playoffs and getting ready for the 18 weeks stretch in our league. A couple of teams going on the bye this week. Couple that will have a little bit of a ripple effect: uh, Carolina Panthers, Cleveland Browns, Green Bay Packers, and the Tennessee Titans are all going to be on a bye this week. So, uh, for Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, for Nick Chubbs of the world, uh, you're going to have to maybe look for for another option, and, and hopefully, we'll find that and, and some of your other skill players. Pat, how was your Thanksgiving? It was good, man. We had uh, you know the traditional. 800 things to eat and uh, <laughs> sat there and drank some beer, watched some football and had a, uh, had a really nice day. My son decided to cook macaroni and cheese. He wanted to, uh, to help out with the, the, uh, the Thanksgiving meal prep and he's only 12. So we were like, eh. he's made stuff before. So we were like, yeah, sure. Go for it. And uh, as it turns out, man, I think we might have, we might have to sell this recipe. It was literally the best macaroni and cheese I think I've ever had in my life. Like I'm, I'm st- like, I'm literally wanting to finish this podcast so I can go eat more of it up right now. That's how All right, folks. Was. That's a wrap. We're going to get out of here. It's a pack. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, did that audio cut in from somewhere? No, that was your stomach. Talking. You're, you're fine. <laughs> how was uh, yours? How, how, what did you guys do? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, again, just the, like you say, the, the traditional, I, I did not have a, a Mac and cheese maker per se. Um, but you know, you always get that little hand helping you, uh, in the kitchen, uh, mind you, yeah, get the family together, uh, just try and have a, a good, good time cooking food and, and, you know, like you say, enjoying the football, trying to keep up with stats and, and hope that you set your lineup right. Knowing there's six teams playing on Thanksgiving and uh, oh crap, did I, did I make sure I, I made that right call and, and drop this guy and, and things of that nature. So I, uh, yeah, compared to a regular Thursday it comes up quick, but no, we had a we had a good time. And then, uh, you know, before you know it, then you start to finish the meat sweats and, and get back to reality for the, the rest of the weekend. And then obviously, you know, come Sunday, we're we're here Monday morning. Uh, we still have one game to play. We have Seattle and Washington on Monday night football with a couple of couple of big names still involved in that game. But uh, week 12 wise, uh, how are you looking in your leagues, Pat? Uh, not a good week for me. I mean, you know, I guess. uh one of the things I can be thankful for is that uh, I'm still in the playoff hunt in, in most of these leagues, but uh, this this past week didn't really didn't really help the cause. I, I do have a uh, in our dynasty league that we that we joined this year. Uh, I still got a shot tonight. I need some points from either McLaurin or from Curtis Samuel. And then, as we were talking about before we got on the air here, in our league of record, I need I need. Tyler Lockett to outscore Terry McLaurin by about 15 points in order to stay uh, stay in the playoff hunt in our league of record. So you uh, you got a nice win this week. Uh, didn't score a ton of points, but you know sometimes that's just the way it goes. You played good defense. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know it was it's I I, I 
I have the mash unit right now at running back. So with McCaffrey and Cook and watching both of them go down in the same, literally in the same day, uh, you know, it's a little disheartening as I'm trying to make a playoff push. And yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take the win. But, you know, was it was it a win at what cost? Uh, you know, I got two weeks left to try to uh, wiggle my way in. And then, you know, anything can happen uh, in our league and a couple of the other ones. Yeah, the, the, the keeper league that we're in together. Uh, the dynasty league. Um, yeah, that's, that's not looking too good for me, but Hey, you know, it's a learning experience on that level and um, you know, it's a different animal altogether, but yeah. Uh, and then my other league, I'm, I'm wiping the floor with them. So not too bad, but uh, yeah, I, I did win in our league. It looks like, but uh, at the same time, it comes at a cost. So I am going to have to do my research and hopefully Pat can help me and I can help him and we can help you all uh, get through the next coming weeks. Uh, and first, I think we're going to lean into our running backs. Yeah, and one of the guys that uh, that you just mentioned that went down for you this week, Dalvin Cook, his replacement is going to be our waiver wire, I guess, priority number one this week, Alexander Madison for the Vikings. Uh, it looks like that Dalvin Cook went down with some sort of shoulder separation or injury. Um doesn't seem to be too serious, nothing broken or anything like that, but it is probably going to cost him a week or two. And obviously, you know, the Vikings, they lean on Cook. They lean on the run game. They throw the ball to their running backs out of the backfield as Alexander Madison actually scored a touchdown in that game after Cook left. So uh, he's going to be a really valuable piece this week on your waiver wire if he's available. Um, you know, hopefully um, if you lost Cook, Hopefully you had Madison already. Um, I know that, you know, towards the end of the season, me personally, I like to handcuff my my running backs, especially if they're if they're good running backs. I know in our league of record, you do have Madison, correct? You you did handcuff. Yeah, no, uh, that was Cook. part of it. Uh, I did make a trade to get Cook and took uh, took Madison with him just to make sure, because ironically, yeah, he's had some some hiccups, and and uh, be honest, you know, I've had him. Cook had a couple games where he was out this season. So Madison, uh, for the first couple of years, took a minute to get warmed up and, and couldn't quite get to that level. But he looks to be uh, a very capable backup, scoring similar scoring sets of twenty plus points and and being involved. So I'm not too nervous about him now. The McCaffrey one, um, you know, I, I feel like that is going to be interesting because I have. I like to say Chuba, but it's Chuba. But we'll say Chuba for record. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, and he was my backup, and and you know handcuff, and he filled in decent. But now it looks like there's a little bit of timeshare between him and Amir Abdullah, who was signed. Uh, you know they've had a lot of background going on with with backup running backs in in Carolina, and they have to be loaded because McCaffrey had been a little banged up and then looked okay and rolled the ankle. They're going into the bye week, so they feel like that maybe he'll be okay coming out of it. So. I'm not sweating that one too much because I wouldn't have had him this week anyway. So that is, that's more of a play by ear, but I may have to look for more of a, a, a legitimate backup on that level. Yeah, the bye week came right in perfect timing for you there. You were yeah. going to be without McCaffrey either way. So the fact that, uh, you know, he has a, an extra week to to get healthy is really nice for you. Um, if Hubbard is available, though, in your uh, on your waiver wire, now would be the week to pick him up before they go on by, because if there's any reports that come out next week saying that McCaffrey is not going to play, it's going to be a lot harder to get Hubbard. So my suggestion is if you have the roster spot, you need a running back, go ahead and pick him up. See if, you know, see if McCaffrey plays 
And if he does, then you just go ahead and drop Hubbard and move on with your life. But if he doesn't, you know, you've got at least a spot start for a game if you need it. And, you know, who knows with McCaffrey, not wishing any bad luck on him or anything, but he's, you know, he's been injured and supposed to come back and then didn't come back. And so you just, you know, with these injuries, you never know. It looked like it was just a simple rolled ankle, but, you know, Saquon Barkley rolled his ankle and missed four weeks. So it's one of those things where it's better to be safe than sorry. Go ahead and pick up Chuba Hubbard if uh, if he's available in your league. Another guy that um, Ooh, sorry to cut no, you off uh, real quick, just coming in hot off the press. Dalvin Cook has been diagnosed with a torn labrum uh, and dislocated shoulder. Uh, looks like he's definitely going to miss some time. And that uh, Alexander Madison is looking uh, uh, like a pretty legit start right now. Unfortunately, uh, they're hoping he can be back and saying maybe for uh, a playoff push currently. So we're looking at probably the rest of the fantasy season that Cook is going to be likely sidelined. So, and I mean, way to stay on top of the news, man. That's, that's Literally just popped off right in front of me. So it's like, you know, I, I'm not happy to say it because, you know, at the same time, it kind of affects me a little bit. But for those out there that are good cook fans, you know, obviously your son's a good cook, but, you know, that's a different story. Um, but, yeah, no, at the same time, yeah, it literally just came across and, and it sounds like that. If they make the playoffs, the, the Vikings might be able to see him get back. So it sounds like Cook might be shut down for the rest of the year. Well, that makes this Alexander Madison pickup even that much more important. Definitely go check your waiver wires if he is available. He He's a he's an RB1, basically. I mean, it, to get the kind of work that Dalvin Cook gets and to be as talented as Madison is. Now, he's not as talented as Cook, but to get – to step into that role, Minnesota isn't one of these teams that, you know, is going to try to replace their star with, you know, two or three other backs like you see in Tennessee or, or whatever. So Madison's going to be the guy and he's going to give you very similar numbers to what Dalvin Cook has been giving you uh, for the most part. So he is definitely by far the number one waiver wire priority pickup at this point. So uh, go out and, and make your claim on him if you have it. Um, if you're looking to make a playoff push in a league that uses fab, I would honestly be willing to spend pretty much all of my remaining fab budget on Alexander yeah. Madison, if he was available in, in my league, but let's move away from cook for a little while. We've had, you know, Thanksgiving on the brain. So, um, <laughs> let's move to, uh, let's move to the Seattle Seahawks doing my research this morning. I noticed that Alex Collins is still only, about 43% owned in fantasy leagues. And that is still way too low. Uh, Chris Carson was actually in, in one of the leagues. It was like right above him as far as roster percentage. And I'm like, how he's done for the year. Like, how is he still on rosters and nobody has picked up Alex Collins? You know, I mean, I guess, I, I don't know. Apparently everybody doesn't pay as much attention to fantasy football as we do. But uh, if, if Alex Collins is out there, you need to pick him up. He's a starting running back in the NFL. Yes, the Seattle offense is not, you know, what it was three years ago, but they still have Russell Wilson. They still have DK Metcalf. They still have Tyler Lockett. I mean, they could turn this thing around at any point in time, and you have the ability to go out and pick up a starting running back in the NFL. Collins is a, a much better option than 
a lot of guys I see start in starting lineups that I go against in leagues every week. And yet, you know, Collins is still sitting out there on the waiver wire. As a matter of fact, you can pick up Collins now since they haven't played yet. A lot of leagues will allow you to drop a player who has already played as long as they're not in your starting lineup. If you are sitting on somebody like, you know, I don't know, maybe you picked up uh, Rex Burkhead or, you know, Tevin Coleman or something like that. Collins is a much better option than either of those guys. So if he's still available in your league, go out and grab him and, and you can throw him, like I said, throw him on your bench now, if you have the ability to do that. So we're going to look at another running back that is coming to play. And, and some of this again, uh, you know, we're getting, getting later in the season. So some of this does have a little bit of uh I guess you could say injury connotations to it, uh, things of that nature. But um, some folks have had him as a bit of a handcuff. Uh, Jamal Williams from the Detroit Lions. Earlier this week during the uh, during the Thanksgiving game against Chicago, um, DeAndre Swift was knocked out of action with, uh, I believe, it was a shoulder injury. Jamal Williams came on, uh, ended up putting up double-digit points, uh, and had had a few decent games at the beginning of the year when they were kind of using a dual threat. It wasn't a committee. It was just... They were getting about 45 points out of the backfield with both guys for the first couple of weeks there. So you could uh, you could definitely just buy into one of them. Uh, then Williams got a little banged up and had been missing time. And, you know, things like that can happen. Uh, so obviously Swift took the load. And, and now it looks like it's shifting back to Jamal Williams. Um, uh, not, not a powerhouse offense maybe with Detroit. But, again, it's not about the real NFL here. It's about fantasy, uh, whether they're trying to come back from – down points or not, their wide receiving core isn't that strong. Um, you know, you obviously have uh, a quarterback there that may look to check it down a little bit, and, and that's totally fine. And and just looking at part of that action in PPR, Jamal Williams did have five receptions. So, again, that for us, we play full points. Uh, so that's five points right there just on receptions. Uh, Jamal Williams is a guy you want to look at. He's probably available on your waiver wire. Definitely want to make him one of your top pickups this week. Another guy that you're going to want to take a look at, this is probably a little bit more of a, a kind of like a, a hopeful pickup, uh, but Matt Breida from the Buffalo Bills, um, he's only about 10% owned. He's kind of sort of replaced Zach Moss in that offense. It's, it seems like it's Singletary and Breida now. Moss is kind of the odd man out, um, which is weird because I felt like Moss was more productive in that offense, but I, I'm not really sure. You know, he was a... A healthy scratch week one and and maybe you know him sitting out now has something to do with whatever that was back then i'm not really sure but brita has done pretty well since he's filled in this past week against the saints he carried the ball nine times for 26 yards and added two catches for 29 and a touchdown on two targets so he's 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 involved in the offense at least enough now you're probably going to get out of him what you got out of Zach Moss uh, as far as, you know, carries, touches, you know, splits, stuff like that. But um, again, if, if, you're, if you're in a bind at running back and, you know, you, you, you need somebody who is at least going to touch the ball a few times, you know, possibly give you a, an opportunity to score a touchdown, you know, Breed is just as good as anyone else. I'm not saying that, you know, he's a, 
you know, go out and waste a waiver priority on Brita, but he's a guy that you can add to the end of your bench. If something happens to Singletary, you know, maybe Brita becomes the, the main guy, or maybe just through sheer production on the field, the Buffalo Bills tend to lean on him a little bit more. I, I feel like the Bills are going to need to get some sort of running game going in order to be a real playoff contender. They, they get New England this week on Monday night, and I, I really feel like we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast. I really feel like, and I agree with what you said, I, I feel like Buffalo is, is going to get exposed against New England this week. I mean, they they really don't run the ball. They, they've been trying recently to run the ball a little bit more, but they don't do it effectively. And I think that, you know, New England's pass defense is obviously one of the best in the league and you're going strength on strength there. And, uh, and honestly, I think New England, their coaching staff, their, their defensive players, um, I, I think they're just, they're going to overmatch Buffalo's offense this week. And without a running game, teams are going to see how to beat the Bills. Yeah, no, I, I, again, like you said, we we kind of discussed it a little bit and, and we've mentioned things on previous podcasts about, you know, the back and forth, you know, everybody had Buffalo penciled in after last season and their their hot start that, you know, they're the AFC team, maybe Kansas City, and then they they ended up, ended up really just kind of looking like the strongest team in, in the entire conference. And then, then they plateaued almost after the the win over Kansas City. It was almost like they kind of let their guard down. Tennessee took them out. They had a bye week. They came out of uh, oh, the bye week, a division game against Miami, and and won it, but maybe not heavily convincing. Then they had that bad loss against Jacksonville, and yeah, I think their offense completely plateaued, where they were just so one sided. Moss had been effective to an extent uh you know as far as points and things like that maybe getting you 10 points 12 points but he wasn't a an over-the-top factor and yeah the the benching at the beginning and then it looks like they benched him again just now and her Matt Breida uh over the last three weeks is averaging 13 points a game he has three touchdowns in three weeks uh he makes plays out of the backfield receiving the ball uh two of his touchdowns are receiving touchdowns uh, and he's always had that ability from from Sam Fran. I think some people do remember he he was a a decent fantasy relevant running back, and then he kind of just free agent went to Miami. Things didn't work out. Went here and uh, maybe took a little bit to get used to that offense. But I think they wanted to shake things up. And right now they look like they're rolling. They put up 45, 41, and and thirty one against the Saints uh, on Thanksgiving rather convincingly. Enter the Monday night matchup against Belichick and. Yeah, lo and behold, I think this is going to be a tougher matchup. But Brita, as far as fantasy relevant from here on out, I, I mean, unless things change right now, he seems to be something that has really woken that offense up. I'm not saying he's going to be an RB one to five, but I, I think he's got maybe somewhere for the end of the year, he's going to have somewhere between maybe seven, eight to to tops, maybe 15. I really feel like he's going to get that much more involved because they're going to look to keep a little bit more balanced between the two so that the passing game gets involved. Now, what happens this coming Monday might be a good indicator of how far along that's come, but I do. I, I like Matt Burita. I think quietly he's going to be one of these pickups that, uh, you know, when they turn around at the end of the season and players on your team that won the league and, and they look across the board, he's going to possibly be one of those guys. A couple more of those guys that could possibly, uh, you know, fantasy football, we, we tend to – we tend to view everything because we put so much time and effort and 
thought into our our draft process. We we tend to see players as almost pigeonholed into their draft capital positions. You know what I mean? So like when you're looking at trades and and picking up people off the waiver wire and who to drop and things like that, like we were talking the other day, how Alan, I think it was last week's episode, how Alan Robinson is still more widely rostered than Darnell Mooney and why that shouldn't be. Like, I understand that you spent, you know, probably a second round pick on Alan Robinson, but if the guy is not producing like a second round pick, get rid of him, trade him, do something. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, you know, there's a lot of people that, that are, that go completely undrafted and help you win your fantasy league. Look at James Robinson last year. You know what I mean? So you have to sort of be fluid throughout the season and be willing to take a shot on a guy who is, a, is just a waiver wire pickup because, you know, he fell into a, a good situation with a specific team or whatever. And a couple of guys that, you know, unfortunately, again, due to injury, have fallen into spots where they're going to be used are Deontay Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard for the Tennessee Titans. Now, the Titans look terrible uh, this, this week against New England. Uh, New England has the ability to make a lot of teams look terrible. Uh, so, th- so I'm not really going to hold that against them. But both guys still carried the ball extremely well. Hilliard was 12 for 131 and a touchdown. And Foreman went 19 for 109 in the running game. And, I mean, just between those two guys, you're looking at uh, averaging well over seven and a half yards per rush against a pretty good New England defense. So, um, you know, these guys are, are getting it done. It seems like, uh, you know, again, you can't say that, that either or both of these guys together is a replacement for Derrick Henry. But Tennessee is still committed to the run. Like we said, they rushed the ball 39 times and only passed it 21 this week. And that's in a game that they were behind for a majority of the game and still only threw the ball 21 times. So they are committed to the run. They are going to give these guys the ball. And if either of them are available in your league, you have to go out and, and grab these guys. It's, this is where the Titans are at this point. You have to be willing to realize that and go out and, and make these ads if you if you want a chance to win your your fantasy leagues. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree, man. I, I, I think having the having the balls to to cut bait on somebody, uh, and again, it could come back to haunt you, definitely. Um, but at the same time, knowing that, okay, you drafted somebody maybe with one of your top in the first four or five rounds of your draft, and it just it just hasn't worked out. It's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a relationship. It's not you, it's me, you know, whatever you want to call it, but uh, you need to make sure that you're doing what's best for your team and your roster and not sit there and and dwell on it when there are quality free agents out there to be picked up. Um, You, you want to make sure that you have these guys at least on your radar and you don't want to bury your head in the sand because you do see a lot of people that just stick to their guns and they only want to go with whoever, you know, whoever they drafted, you look around and see people that haven't made moves in your league. They don't make trades and, and they're just going to stick. Well, that's my team. I picked it. I know exactly what I'm doing. And hopefully you're right. And maybe you are, maybe you're just going to run the table with what you got and you don't need to make a move. God love you. 
But at the end of the day, you're going to look around and definitely miss out possibly on some of these some of these names of, of players. And, and again, you're looking at a backfield right now with Tennessee that is a little mishmash. Last week we said, hey, look, we don't know who to depend on. And now it looks like maybe they're starting to become a front runner with Dontrell Hilliard, who came out of the Cleveland system. So he knows about downhill running. He knows about making plays out of the backfield. Uh, obviously, there was a bit of a log jam as far as talent there. To see him get an opportunity with a team, a team like this, that is a similar concept. They they definitely want to, uh, you know, they definitely want to run the football and and just do it to, to keep defenses honest and and all that. Like that's kind of what you're really looking for uh, as far as an RB two or maybe a flex. There's somebody who's going to get that volume now, knowing that him and Dante Foreman, another guy who came from a a little bit more of a run heavy, so to speak, I guess with Houston, uh, you know, and then obviously got a little banged up um, for him to be able to make some plays as well. You, you have options now you call it a committee, but if the volume's there for both running backs and to see them get back to their basics and feel comfortable with it, uh, you, you might not have a problem going with either guy. Hilliard seems like maybe the more explosive guy, but um, at the end of the day, I think, I, I think you could, you can maybe get a, you can maybe get by with what you're looking for with uh, with Deonta Foreman too. And again, injuries can can still be a factor, so it might not hurt to to have something like that again, at least on your bench to get you moving. Uh, speaking of another committee concept, so to speak, uh, we're looking at two running backs from the New York Jets. Um, we have Tevin Coleman. Uh, we have Ty Johnson. I was a little high on Johnson last week. I kind of felt like maybe he'd be the guy to go to for them. They, you know, they had leaned on him a little bit earlier this year. He had four double digit point outputs uh, with bad, you know, receiving out of the backfield. Uh, this looked like an ugly game with the Houston Texans and he wasn't really as involved. Johnson, um, he only had six carries. Now, Michael Carter being out, obviously this is what this is all about. Tevin Coleman seemed to get a lot of it. They, he kind of led the backfield. Uh, throughout, and then they also bumped up an Austin Walter off the practice squad who vultured a touchdown at the end. Thank you, New York Football Jets. Uh, but at the end of the day, Coleman seemed to be the ground and pound, so to speak. Um, and, and again, we all remember him from his Atlanta days, and he had a, a couple nice seasons out there with San Fran. Right now, it looks like you know the the ownership wise, a lot of people aren't high on him, probably just because they're the Jets. Uh, that's another offense that is going to be playing from behind a lot. So right now it might take another week, which I know it's getting close to playoff time, but take another week to get used to maybe who's the lead back. So if Coleman's getting the handoffs and Johnson's getting the receptions, they might be cutting into each other. It might be a little hard right now. Uh, and Carter is on the IR, which chances are he'll be back for the playoffs, but uh, fantasy wise, but, you know, he may even make it back from one of the last weeks of the regular season for you. Right now, I'd still kind of lean Ty Johnson just because of his receiving ability out of the backfield. Coleman can do it, too. Uh, it is a little murky. And this is almost like what we talked about last week with Tennessee, Pat. Uh, you know, it's hard to tell who to go with right now. But after last week with Tennessee, you might start to see somebody pull away. They had the Eagles this week. Uh, Eagles should win. You would think they're going to probably have a little bit of a a game going on there. And then next thing you know, maybe they're going to start to try to make plays to come back in it. So 
Uh, it's going to be hard to tell maybe right now who it is, but Coleman and Johnson should be on the radar. I kind of lean Johnson a little bit more. The last, uh, the last two running backs that we're going to talk about, again, are on the same team, and they were actually in that same game uh, against the Jets. The Houston Texans gave the ball to David Johnson and Rex Burkhead 10 times and 12 times, respectively. Johnson was 10 for 39. Burkhead was 12 for 27. Burkhead got a little bit more uh, yardage out of the backfield. He had three catches for 27 yards, and David Johnson had two for 16. Both of these guys are pretty much interchangeable. It seems like it uh, doesn't seem like one is going to get any more or less work than the other. If there's an injury, neither guy is going to put up a ton of fantasy points for you because honestly, they play for a pretty bad team. It doesn't score a lot of points and they don't run the ball very, very effectively anyway. So uh, these are sort of desperation type guys. I would say personally, if I had to choose one, I would take Rex Burkhead just due to the fact that I feel like he, at this point in his career, is a little bit better goal line back than David Johnson. And he's just as good out of the backfield with with receptions and things like that. So, you know, obviously the Texans let go of Philip Lindsay. They obviously felt like he wasn't an integral part of what they were planning on doing on offense. So in steps Rex Burkhead and uh, Burkhead's always been a, a decent player. You know, he's never been a superstar, but he's always been a serviceable option at running back. And I think with a team like the Texans who were, you know, what, two and nine, I believe their record is this year. All they're looking for is serviceable at this point. They're, they know that they're not, you know, competing for anything. They're, they're just, uh, you know, going through the motions and, and guys are trying to, you know, secure jobs for the future. So, uh, you know, Rex Burkhead's one going to be one of those guys who's always uh, around and available and, you know, can do the dirty work for you and get you a few yards here and there. But uh, neither of these guys am I, am I trying to jump on and, and sign off the waiver wire. But if you are desperate, if you're looking for, uh, you know, a spot start here and there, uh, either of these two guys would work. Anybody else you want to add, Scott? Uh, I miss anyone? No, I, th- I think we're, I think we're kind of just, you know, waiting to see other other shoes to drop, a handcuff that might have to pop through, or you know, somebody that goes beyond a maybe a one week wonder. But no, I think that pretty much establishes what's out there right now uh, in in the the wasteland that is the running back free agent market. But there are some signs of life. You just got to know who to go for. All right. Well, I guess we should move on to wide receivers then. We uh, the wide receiver position is another one where. I don't want to say it's necessarily a matchup based play. I think there are guys out there that are, I want to say matchup proof, but are good enough to where they should be rostered over other players. But there are also some guys out there that maybe you got a bunch of wide receivers on by, like I do in one league this week. You know, I'm, I'm looking at some of these guys that I could possibly pick up and play just for a week. So some of the guys that we had discussed last week are going to be uh, discussed again this week. Again, for me, uh, Sterling Shepard is still number one on my list. I know he didn't come back this past week, which apparently the Giants didn't need him to beat the lowly Eagles. But I I still think that when Shepard gets back, he makes the offense better. He is the best receiver that they have. And, you know, as, as shown this past week, even in a game where they won, the Giants only put up 13 points and did not look very good on offense. So I'm not saying that Shepard is the you know 
he's not the the answer on the offensive side of the ball, but he definitely makes that offense a lot better just by being in it and with his ability to make contested catches, you know, he runs good routes. He's always been a, a solid wide receiver. So if, if Shepard's available, I, I still think he's the number one waiver wire pickup. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, theoretically going forward, he, he's if he's on the field, he's probably going to get the lion's share of targets and, and whatnot. Obviously, Galladay's had a tough time in New York and, you know, Slate and all them guys like that offense is transitioning. They just got rid of the offensive coordinator. Shepard has been a fairly constant contributor. It's just a matter of staying healthy. So in theory, I guess he's probably one of those guys. But if you can't depend on him health wise, you know, you're only going to get him every other week. You're going to get two weeks without him. And, and he's only as good as maybe a flex for you. Uh, I think maybe you can find better options. It's not to say you shouldn't be on your bench. Uh, and again, maybe matchup based, definitely. But, um, you know, it's just kind of tough to trust him, I think, if his health is going to constantly be uh, a rotating factor, so to speak. Who would you go after of the, of the guys that we discussed, you know, before the show? Who's who's your your number one targeted wide receiver if you're if you're looking to add somebody? It's tough. I mean, okay, you see, Van Jefferson had a nice game yesterday, but obviously the entire Rams offense did. Now maybe going forward, they they get the spread going around to all three guys, and and again he picks up a little bit of the you know what is, you got you got Beckham now. You got it's hard to tell maybe right there who it is. There's no lead lead guy. I mean, there's you know, Russell Gage had a decent game yesterday. Um, you know, I have Jacoby Myers on my roster. Kendrick Bourne got involved. Like, so, I mean, looking at some of the names, it's I think it's tough to to trust. I think, you know, and, and I know you just said it. It's I think it's going to look at maybe the matchup based concepts of, again, is that guy going to be your wide receiver, too? Is he going to be your flex based on if they're going against a team that gives up a ton of points to wide receivers. And I, I feel like that is, is it. I mean, right now you'd say, okay, the Rams are probably one of the highest powered offenses seeing Jefferson, get that ball, uh, you know, get a touchdown, make his big plays. Like to me, maybe he'd be the guy I'd lean a little bit more uh, knowing that he's going to stay on the field and knowing he's albeit knock on wood, but an injury away of being, really one of the top dogs on that offense where, you know, again, you get Stafford throwing the football to you. Um, you know, we talked about different wide receivers throughout, but I, I just kind of feel like maybe he's the guy right now. Um, nice coming out of the bye for the Rams. And, and again, that was a, that was a big shootout game kind of with, with green Bay, but the Rams have been putting up the points all season. I, I know it's a smaller target share and, and things now get, you got to spread the ball around, but if he's going to be able to make plays like that, because at some point he's going to be open with all the, the secondary floating over to cover the other two guys and, and whatnot and, and making that offense more dynamic. I kind of feel like it, maybe I'd lean uh, a little more Van Jefferson. Yeah, they definitely are more dynamic offense. And I think you have a lot better chance of getting a touchdown out of Jefferson than you do out of Sterling Shepard. So I can, I can understand that he, he is um, seeing, you know, averaging about seven targets a game over the the past four weeks, I do think that I do think that will continue for Jefferson. I guess my biggest worry is that 
he's at best the two, whereas I feel like Shepard's the one. That's just me. But but like you said, Shepard also plays for the Giants, and and they're definitely not going to put up as many points as the Rams are going to for the rest of the season. So you've always got that that potential, that touchdown equity in Van Jefferson that you just don't have in a guy like Sterling Shepard. I, I guess I would say in a PPR league, I would like Shepard because I do think, again, he's he's going to be just peppered with targets when he gets healthy. But in a standard league or even a half-point PPR, I would probably lean Van Jefferson as well. Um, a couple other guys that that we you know wanted to talk about real quick, though, just to, to kind of round out the wide receiver waiver wire targets. You mentioned Kendrick Bourne. He has been, uh, you know, a a guy who, well, he was a free agent pickup this year for New England. And I think in the beginning of the season, you know, New England, their passing game wasn't really, you know, Mac Jones was still sort of getting used to things and, and starting to, um, you know, get a feel for the NFL. And as he's gotten a little bit more comfortable, I think that he stopped hyper-targeting Jacoby Myers and really started targeting Bourne and Aguilar and even his tight ends uh, a little bit more. And I think that, you know, Bourne has become a guy who, you know, he's not getting a ton of targets. They don't, the Patriots don't throw the ball, you know, a whole lot, but he seems to make something out of all of those targets. And I really think that, you know, if he continues to produce with the amount of looks that he gets, he's going to continue to get more looks. And so I think that he's a guy um, who's on the rise right now, and he probably is still sitting out there on your waiver wire and you can probably grab him uh, without even spending any fab or using a waiver priority. And you can throw him on the end of your bench. And, and if this new England offense sort of, keeps going in the direction that it's been going in, um, which is, you know, they've been putting up uh, quite a few points the last few weeks. Mac Jones has looked really good. Um, the running game has been been playing well. I think that they're a very well-rounded team that could continue to put points on the board each and every week. And, and you know, we just talked about touchdown equity with Van Jefferson. I think that Kendrick Bourne has uh, some touchdown equity as well. So um, I really like him moving forward. Uh, so they, they seem to be a little more trustworthy. Um, and obviously, you know, we're going to talk about a couple more guys here. Uh, and again, I know a guy that I think you had for a minute and couldn't trust him and had a cut bait. And he's been frustrating over the last couple of years. Russell Gage uh, from the Atlanta Falcons, who... I mean, that whole offense is a bit of a mess. Obviously, we know um, Matt Ryan, uh, long in the tooth and everything else that's been going on there. But, you know, he puts up a nice 18 plus points in our league, you know, makes his plays and and gets a gets a touchdown. And you, you see that it's there. He's six or seven targets, six catches, seven targets, 62 yards and a touchdown. And they beat Jacksonville. OK, so is it going to be a game where. If they play somebody, uh, I'm just looking back at his pattern. He had he was a little banged up at the beginning of the year, and then he puts up almost 17 against Miami, and then he doesn't do anything against Carolina. Uh, then he puts up 13 against New Orleans, doesn't do anything against Dallas, almost double digits against the Patriots, and and again puts up 18 plus against Jacksonville. 
it's he's another guy I think who yeah he's basically their number one wide receiver with Calvin Ridley out you have Kyle Pitts who's kind of sort of a hybrid tight end he's he's got the receiving ability um but really it's been the Corderell Patterson show um I think Gage is definitely flex worthy uh I don't think he's much higher than that only because it's it's a little too volatile. You you can't just plug him in and go, okay, well, because he's the number one wide receiver in an offense, he's got to get me at least this many points. You've seen too much volatility. I mean, if he was getting me a flat 10 a week, which sounds like, meh, at least I could depend on it. But to see some of the ups and downs, maybe injury-based or, or matchup-based, he's put together two good weeks. Um, you know, just looking at the point totals there, again, of, of just about 10 and, and 18 uh, if that can be consistent, you know, you got a matchup this week against Tampa Bay that does give up points to wide receivers. It's a division game, probably going to be a little little bit of a shootout, so to speak. And theoretically, a revenge game, Tampa Bay uh, beat them up pretty good at the beginning of the year. Maybe he gets more involved as the season goes on to establish his part in that offense. Uh, but again, I, I think Russell Gage is flex worthy. Uh, RB2, not just yet, or I'm sorry, wide receiver two, not just yet. I don't feel like he's quite earned that based on just the consistency of play. Now, if, if give me two more good weeks, uh, double-digit points, maybe we can talk. Yeah, I, I definitely played the Russell Gage game and lost, um, so that leaves a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. And and I agree. I think I think he's a guy that in in games where Atlanta is you know going against a a, a weaker defense a, a you know defense that i don't say weaker defense but a defense that, that they can score against at least i feel like you know like they did against jacksonville this week i feel like you could probably play russell gage and and get you know like you said 12 to what he scored this week 18.2 or something like that i, th- I think yeah. that that's reasonable expectation for him but i, I think that you know, if you, if you pick him up and expect to start him every single week and, and him help you to win, you know, fantasy games, I think that you're misplacing your trust, unfortunately. So, you know, it's just one of those things where he is the number one by, by default, but he, I don't think he's got the talent that a number one receiver needs to have. I think he's, he's very easy to sort of lock up and, and shut down and, and, um, you know, he's, he's not, He's not Calvin Ridley. He's not Julio Jones. You know what I mean? He's not a guy who is just going to win one-on-one matchups. He's he's got to go against, I guess, you know, more inferior opponents in order to score. Well, we saw, you know, we talked about running back injuries and how that leads to uh, you know, more opportunities for, you know, for backups. Sometimes wide receivers and tight end injuries can can also lead to you know, obviously to, to more targets for players. And it's funny, it took Jamal Agnew getting hurt for the season and Dan Arnold, a guy who was traded for midseason uh, going down mid-game to finally get LaVisca Chenault and Marvin Jones, the, the type of target numbers that um, you were kind of expecting coming into the season. Chenault finished with nine targets and Marvin Jones finished with seven this past week uh, against Atlanta. You know, neither lit up the scoreboard, so to speak, for, uh, you know, for your fantasy team. But I think now that it, it, depending on, you know, Dan Arnold, I think is still going to be involved in that offense or, or James O'Shaughnessy, whoever, you know, whoever happens to be the tight end. 
But um, I, I do think that now that Agnew is gone, I think that what he does is sort of what LaVisca Chenault does. And I think that you're going to see a little bit more. Uh, they may be shorter targets, but um, in a PPR league, I think LaVisca Chenault is a guy who can be picked back up if you dropped him. I know he was he was drafted, um, you know, pretty much all over at, you know, back in August, September when we were doing our drafts. And then a lot of people probably dropped him from their rosters because he just wasn't producing. I, I do think that now is the time he's, he's kind of followed the, uh, the Brandon Ayuk trajectory for this, for this season. He's, I think he's on his way back up. Um, I also think that Marvin Jones is a guy that you could possibly consider starting in your flex again, after starting off the season pretty strong. And then kind of fizzling out in the middle of the season there when uh, when it became the, the Agnew and Arnold show. But um, yeah, I do think you can pick LaVisca Chenault up. And I think that I, I think that he could at least get you through, uh, you know, by week, possibly a spot start uh, due to injury or whatever. So he's not a guy that, again, these are not guys that we're clamoring to pick up, but they're guys that in a pinch can, uh, you know, can put some points on the board for you if you need to. Yeah, it's been a long year for Jacksonville. You got a rookie quarterback, you got a rookie head coach, and yeah, trying to find a, their way in this offense where we saw Chenault last year with a lot of promise and then signing some free agents and getting different players involved. And now your your injuries have forced him back into a more prominent role. And his skill set is there, and you, you did touch on uh, Brandon Ayuk, who the two of them have a lot of parallels with um, just being great athletes, and and as long as they make the catches, uh, you know they'll do the rest. Uh, ironically, Ayuk might step up a little bit higher now. I, I know there's a little bit of a Debo Samuel groin issue. Supposedly everything's okay, but it could put a little uh, hitch in his giddy up, so to speak. Uh, and and again, there's a player who, if he's out there, you might want to be interested in. But chances are he's been playing pretty well lately, so Ayuk's probably uh, rostered in a lot of leagues. But in a parallel, yes, and all. Let's talk about a rookie wide receiver who has been pretty solid. Uh, he had a quiet game last night, but it was a quiet game overall for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Christmas came early for the Browns. He was giving gifts uh, all over the field, uh, four interceptions, I believe, uh, that he threw. Mm -hmm. So that's going to cut into your wide receivers being productive on any level. It was a, an old school AFC North slugfest, so to speak, as far as, you know, the defense is getting involved and, and keeping it a low scoring game. But Rashad Bateman uh, has been uh, on our radar for quite some time now. Uh, beginning of the year, uh, training camp was good, uh, a little banged up coming out of it, had to wait a few weeks, had, uh, I think, was nursing the injury and then came back and has looked very good so far. This was a quieter game for him. But again, the offense as a whole, it was quieter. Moving forward, he's one of those guys, I think, that, yeah, he's definitely worthy of a flex position in your league. I mean, you know, he, he's on an offense where you say, oh, it's, you know, it's Baltimore. And yes, they are a bit run heavy, but he's put up a few solid games. Now, he's had a couple quiet ones the last two weeks, which, you know, it's going to be expected. Defenses are going to start to rotate to him. But you got a matchup coming up. You got Pittsburgh, you got Cleveland, uh, you got a Green Bay matchup coming up down the road when that would be in our league, that would be week one of the playoffs. That has some shootout written all over it. So, I mean, you do have some matchups that are going to be favorable, and he's been a pretty solid player. Uh, now, he does need to have a true breakout game. You get a lot of the pundits out there going, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, again, it's going to take a minute. He, he did miss 
you know, the first five games of the season uh, and, and had a bye week thrown in there to kind of break things up a little bit. But I think he's promising down the road. Uh, hopefully, if he can continue to maybe average double digits down the road, he's definitely going to be that guy uh, moving forward. And, and we'll see what happens. It's Baltimore's offense. It all goes through Lamar. And again, last night was just a little bit quiet. But I think Rashad Bateman's pretty pretty solid to have on your bench and, and worthy right now of flex start. Uh, it does definitely depending on the matchup. And last but not least, we're going to talk about, just mention, I should say, the Cardinals wide receivers. All of them? <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, well, the, the the main four. Hopkins yeah. is, you know, he's been out, but I'm sure he's still rostered. Christian Kirk is rostered in roughly 75% of leagues, so he's probably not available. But A.J. Green is still out there. He's a, he's a solid, you know, number two wide receiver for, a good offense. I mean, I, I don't think that um, I don't think that he's a guy that you're looking to get into your lineup every single week. But he is somebody who gets enough targets and and enough looks in the red zone to make him worth a, a roster spot at least. And then uh, Rondell Moore, who's a little bit more explosive, obviously a younger guy. He's kind of in that same mold. Um, that we were talking about earlier with uh, Russell Gage. Yes. He's in that mold of with Russell Gage where um, there's certain situations for whatever reason that Rondell Moore tends to really excel in those situations and the Cardinals tend to want to use him more in those situations. And then there's some where, you know, they, they kind of go with a more traditional offense and, and a more traditional down the field passing game. Um, I do think that if anybody is is out, if, if Hopkins, you know, he should be back week 13, but if he remains out or if anybody else in that offense gets hurt or anything like that, I believe that, you know, Rondell Moore is a guy who can instantly win you a week. He's, he's got the potential to do that. So if those guys are available, you can put, pick them up, put them on the end of your bench. Oh, I, yeah. We've talked about at length, uh, how strong that offense is. And I think, uh, you know, I think Kyler Murray's due back, you know, maybe from the ankle, but Colt McCoy was quite serviceable. Uh, and you really don't see them missing too much of a beat. You know, they're still putting up their points. Now Carolina went out, uh, put a little bit of a hurting on them, but Carolina hasn't been right since, but that maybe it was just a fluke, uh, a little bit of a fluke of a game. Now, um, at the end of the day, uh, I, I think, yeah, you can, you can definitely look for some, safety so to speak with with those uh those wide receivers like yeah your rondale moore your aj green um you know christian kirk obviously like they're 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 a heavy passing offense somehow james connor gets involved too he's out there and, and makes plays but yeah i think you're you feel safe in having one of them guys on your bench and and definitely i think week to week uh it definitely worth the the flex let alone maybe a wide receiver too uh just based on the chance of you know, getting three catches for 70 yards and a touchdown out of somebody. Those are solid fantasy points. They're going to get you uh, a good matchup uh, on the wide receiver two level uh, against against another team. All right. Well, uh, that's all the wide receivers. We can move on to our streaming options for the week. Like I said, we're, we're going to continue to do uh, the streaming options this way. I think uh, it's a little bit better than just sort of having waiver wire pickups for these streaming positions, because each week you could be, you know, if you're streaming a position, you could be adding and dropping, you know, a different tight end or a different quarterback or 
a different defense every single week. So why don't we go backwards this week? Maybe change it up a little bit. We'll start with the defenses. Who do who do you have uh, some good some good streaming defenses this week? Well, I mean, looking again, defense is uh, definitely on the stream level. Uh, you're looking for matchups. Uh, I, I think that that is one of the bigger deals right now. Um, I, I'm looking at the ones that jump out to me for this week. Uh, you get the Philadelphia Eagles going up against the New York football Jets. Um, the Jets do bleed points to defenses. Uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier where um, basically that, you know, now you have Zach Wilson back and he's got a little little bit of a learning curve, so to speak, to get used to uh, in the NFL. And, and having him on the field, uh, we did notice at the beginning of the year that their offense struggled a little bit and, and things like that. So I think him being back is maybe not beneficial to their offense just yet, but it's definitely beneficial to defenses. And uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to look to rebound. This is the second game in a row they're going to play in the Meadowlands, uh, coming off a heartbreaking loss to the Giants. Uh, shouldn't be a heartbreaking loss in theory to uh, to those New York football Jets. Again, they they do give up a lot of points to defenses. And again, I see the Eagles definitely uh, looking to right the ship uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to just getting everything right. And and this is the team to do it. I, uh, you know, I totally think that the Jets are again one of the bottom two or three teams giving up points. Also looking at the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, I know some people might think, oh, are you sure about that one? Well, uh, the Chargers have been struggling a little bit offensively. They did have a nice game against Pittsburgh, but that doesn't seem to be too hard. Cincinnati, speaking of Pittsburgh, coming off of a thrashing of the Steelers and swept the season series for the first time in God knows how long. Their defense quietly does play very well. Justin Herbert has had some ups and downs, a sophomore slump, possibly, so to speak. Uh, I do feel like that this matchup, some people might say, oh, no, you know, uh, Char Chargers, high-powered offense. I'm not saying they're going to dominate as much as they did against the Steelers with with the total points, but I think with turnovers and, and maybe keeping the score a little bit, eh, maybe a little bit low, uh, it could be a shootout. And then again, then you're talking about interceptions. I mean, you, you have a Cincinnati offense that, wants to put points up and get the ball down the field. So if this turns into a high-scoring one, you could see Herbert maybe throw for you know a couple picks and maybe there's some fumbles mixed in there. Uh, but I do kind of like the, the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't go out on a limb with that. Going back to the Meadowlands and a team from the Meadowlands, the New York football Giants, uh, they're going to go up against the Miami Dolphins, who are a team that does give up some points to defenses. Uh, you know, offensively to a... Looks like he's finally like finally getting settled in, but uh, they do give up points. They 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 have their turnovers, they fumble. They're not a high scoring offense, which helps defensive point totals uh, across the board. The Giants quietly do have a good defense. Uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit before. They have one that actually keeps teams low scoring. We just saw that against the Eagles. They are like one of the top five teams in the NFL when it comes to scoring defenses. So they don't give up a ton of points. Now they don't maybe make all the big plays and their special teams can be a little meh, but uh, against this matchup against Miami uh, does look to be a little bit of a game where, where they could maybe stretch their legs. Uh, Minnesota Vikings going against the Detroit Lions. Well, anybody going against Detroit has been a fantasy football defensive darling so to speak 
this year. Now, again, they can put up some points in garbage time that kind of chops a leg out maybe from you. But at the end of the day, uh, Detroit is one of those bottom teams. And again, this is a division game. This is Minnesota, who it's a hard team to get to, to figure out. I mean, they're, they're losing some shootouts. They could definitely be a, a playoff contender with a couple more points and, and things going their way. But I do like their defense matching up against Detroit, looking to get some some turnovers and, and make some plays. And, and again, some of that defense will go into or start sits uh, with some statistics there. But I, I do like the Minnesota Vikings. And then finally, uh, stop me if you heard this one. I'm going to go out on a limb. But I, I do kind of think that the Denver Broncos defense, yes, the Denver Broncos defense, uh, they're not going to lead the league. They're not going to win this week, uh, you know, uh, maybe with crazy, crazy points. But they're going against the Kansas City Chiefs, who everybody thinks they're back. Oh, they're back. They're ready to come out. And they're coming off a bye week. But uh, Denver did a nice job this week against Again, against those Los Angeles Chargers who have a high-powered offense. Uh, they kind of made them look a little little mortal. Uh, this could be a game for the Broncos to really show that you know they are a contender. Looking at the AFC West, you have the Chiefs only a game ahead of the rest of the division. So everybody can smell blood in the water, and they are trying their hardest to get to that top level. Denver's going to want this game really bad. It's in Kansas City, which is going to be kind of tough on the road. But again, it's a division matchup. All Everything's out the window when it comes to that. You just saw, again, uh, Eagles were favored heavily to go into New York and beat the Giants. And uh, I had mentioned that the Giants defense was going to probably keep it honest. Jalen Rager kind of helped that out a little bit too. But at the end of the day, uh, I do like the Denver Broncos getting some points in a little bit of a matchup there. So looking at Philadelphia, Cincinnati, the New York football Giants. Minnesota Vikings, and I'm going to go for my sort of a lock of the week. I'll joke and say that, but I, I kind of like Denver getting some points against Kansas City on the defensive side of the ball. Can I uh, can I throw one in there for you? Absolutely. And they may not be a streamer, which is why you know you may not have included them because uh, they they are usually fairly high owned. But if the Indianapolis Colts are available, they get the Texans this week. Um, <laughs> the Colts still. Uh, even after this week against, uh, you know, the the great Tom Brady, uh, still lead the league in forced turnovers. Yeah. And the Texans are a bottom 10 team. They have turned the ball over 18 times so far this year. So, um, you know, I'm always a proponent of looking for uh, looking for teams to turn the ball over. And, and I think that, you know, getting uh, your shot at, at a Texans team who not only do they turn the ball over, but they don't score a lot of points generally anyway. So I really like the Colts. If you can get your hands on them, I know probably you can't, which is again, probably why Scott didn't include them in, in this section. But if they're out there, if somebody dropped them because they were playing the Bucks this week, go grab them and you can, they're a pretty easy start against, um, against the Texans this week. All right. You want to jump into, we'll just go right into tight ends. We'll just do this whole thing completely backwards. I love diving into tight ends. We have heard. Uh, looking at our first name on the list, uh, we are talking about speaking of the speaking of the Indianapolis Colts again. They they did have a, a tough game this week against the uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we did see a name pop up that has been uh, fantasy relevant for some time in the tight end position, Jack Doyle. Uh, yes, we remember Jack from Jack Doyle rules. 
Jack Doyle does roll. Yeah, he he's been a guy on on a lot of years that has had like solid production. I mean, when uh, God, when you had Andrew Luck there, when you had Jacoby Brissett, yeah, Philip Rivers, like he's he's been he's been decent uh, for them for for some time. I mean, mm-hmm. again, there's there's just no getting around it. Um, he had a nice game uh, and nice by the cast. Six receptions, eighty-one yards, and a touchdown. Uh, and we had gone back and forth between him and Mo Alley Cox, but right now he seems to be the hot hand um, on that level. Going into a matchup against the Houston Texans, Houston Texans they love to give up points to pretty much everybody uh, w- when it comes down to it. Uh, against the tight end position, they are again a bottom feeder. They are uh, one of the bottom five teams against uh, giving up points when it comes to that. Uh, they've given up six touchdowns this season to the tight end position and averaging about 10 points a game. So Jack Doyle, uh, this is a division game. This is obviously Indy coming off a tough loss and looking to right the ship against Houston. Uh, I think that that's a probably juicy matchup. Uh, Jack Doyle is definitely going to be stream worthy and, and definitely heavily available probably in some leagues. Agreed. Well, Another guy that we looked at, or that we're looking at for this week is uh, James O'Shaughnessy from the Jacksonville Jaguars. As, as we talked about a little bit, we hit on earlier, Dan Arnold went down with a, a knee injury. Not a hundred percent sure if he's going to be back for the game next week versus the Rams, but as good as the Rams are defensively, they're actually a bottom seven team versus the tight end position. Uh, they give up roughly 15 and a half PPR points per game, which is just under what those those Houston Texans give up. Uh, the Rams have a really good secondary, but their linebacking core tends to be a little bit more run stopping, uh, a little bit more, you know, zone dropping. You got Von Miller now. He's he's like the pass rushing guy. So he's a, he's a linebacker position that you're really kind of taking out of coverage. It, it seems like the 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 way to beat the Rams is uh, to kind of pepper them over the middle, get those five, six, seven-yard gains with your tight end. And when O'Shaughnessy was before the Dan Arnold trade and O'Shaughnessy was the guy, you know, he was he was producing you know, for the Jaguars. I mean, their offense wasn't great, but they definitely were targeting O'Shaughnessy and targeting him in the red zone. So I think if, if Arnold is out this week, he's He's just as good as any to, um, you know, possibly get you a garbage time touchdown and and get you some fantasy points this week. I concur. Another name out there. Um, he was a, he's a rookie, uh, Brevin Jordan from the Houston Texans. I guess they're trying to finally get him involved. He's a fifth round pick. Uh, he had been inactive for the first seven games, but uh, I know they were kind of high on him. Uh, he had a nice game this week. He three receptions on three targets, uh, 23 yards and a touchdown. He's a guy that you could probably stream this week. He's going to be going up against the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts, uh, again, we just talked about good defenses. The Colts are one of the worst uh, against defending the tight end position. A lot of that, uh, from what I understand, they do. Uh, split safety coverage, uh, which probably opens up the middle of the field a little bit more than average. Uh, Gronk just had a nice game against that team. And I, I see that probably he's going to be a maybe a little bit of a safety valve or, or a legitimate weapon in that offense. I know it's hard to think of weapons in the Houston Texans. Uh, you got Tyrod Taylor in there. He's a competent quarterback. He really knows what he's doing. It's just not a lot to work with. It's him, Brandon Cooks, and 
you know, whatever's out there, whatever they have uh, going for them at the time. So I think Brevin Jordan is stream worthy this week in the matchup against the Colts and keep him on the radar. Uh, he's got, I believe he's in a stretch right now where he's got five games against defenses that are 21st or worst against the tight end position. Uh, again, so he may start to become a little bit of a thing over the next couple of weeks. He might be a guy you want to throw on your bench for streamability. You got a couple of bye weeks this week and, and next week, next week with, uh, with some tight end positions. So Brevin Jordan, uh, from the Houston Texans should definitely be on your tight end stream radar for this week and possibly a couple of weeks to come. Another guy who, um, actually the next two guys that we're going to talk about both could see increased opportunities due to injuries to the guy in front of them, Nick Vanette from the new Orleans saints. He only saw one target this week uh, against the Cowboys, um, but he, he he caught a, a touchdown with that one target. And I think that uh, it seems like, you know, from following the Saints and, and uh, you know, the way they use their tight ends out of Troutman, you know, was who was their starting tight end. Also, Juwan Johnson. Those guys tend to not get a ton of targets between the 20s. But when they get into the red zone, Jameis Winston was looking for the tight end. Seems like Trevor Simeon is looking for the tight end. It's just these guys are getting red zone targets. I guess the reason Vinette is a little bit farther down the list here in terms of streamers is because he's probably going to have to score a touchdown in order to you know, make it worth playing him this week. But against the Dallas Cowboys, he's got a, a decent chance at making that happen. The Saints are probably going to have to score with the Cowboys uh, in order to keep up in that game, I know you know we said the same thing about Buffalo, but uh, Dallas's defense is nowhere near what Buffalo's defense is. So I, I do think the Saints will have a little bit easier time moving the ball this week against Dallas. Um, Dallas is the 21st team, so basically the 12th worst team versus the tight end position, giving up 14 PPR points per game. Uh, again, I think that with the fact that the Saints are probably going to have to throw the ball because Dallas, as much as Dallas loses, they score points in these games. I mean, you know, you saw on Thanksgiving, they, they took a, a pretty tough L, but they scored 33 points. So, you know, Dallas scores, it's just, you know, can their defense stop anybody? And, and so far this year, it, it, they really haven't um, had a few good games, but for the most part, uh, you know, they're, they're still giving up a ton of points. So uh, I think you got a shot at getting another tight end from, from Nick Vanette. Yeah, last uh, again. This is just uh, speculative at this point. Uh, Darren Waller has a strained IT band. I don't think it has anything to do with computers, more with his knee. Um, and he did have a knee issue earlier this year, which caused him to miss the game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and enter one Foster Moreau, who had a, a little bit of a game against Pittsburgh earlier in the year, and obviously doesn't get the volume based on Darren Waller. Uh, he filled in admirably on that day against Philadelphia. Uh, where he had uh, six catches for 60 yards and a touchdown. And then uh, he, he's kind of, you know, just around. He's, he's a backup. But the tight end position in the Las Vegas Raiders offense is a focal point. Derek Carr makes it a point to establish whoever's there. Obviously, having Darren Waller is nice because it's top three tight end in the league. If he's set to miss any time or is unhealthy or a, a late uh, scratch on a Sunday, uh, a streaming option for you is definitely worth uh, a Foster Moreau look. Uh, he has shown his ability when pushed into duty that he can be that player. 
So monitor the Darren Waller situation. Uh, and again, keep Foster Moreau around. He actually would be uh, a solid streaming option based on the volume that the tight end receives in the Las Vegas Raiders offense. All right. And now moving on to the quarterback streaming position, uh, we'll stick with the Raiders. And number one streaming option for me this week is going to be Derek Carr versus the Washington football team. Obviously, as of right now, Washington has not yet played their game in week 12. But up until that point, and pretty much for most of the season, they've been the absolute worst team at stopping the quarterback. They're giving up about 24 fantasy points per game, which is almost four points better or four points worse, I should say, than the next worst team to the quarterback position. So anytime you get a chance to start your quarterback against Washington, you should probably do that. I think that's a, a, a fairly good option if you're streaming quarterbacks. Uh, another guy that I like this week is Matt Ryan versus Tampa Bay. I know that the Bucks defense looked a little bit better, created some turnovers this, this past week against Indianapolis, but they still gave up 31 points. The Bucks are still one of the best run-stopping teams in the league. Fortunately for Atlanta, they don't run the ball that well anyway, so their offensive game plan sort of already uh, kind of meshes with the type of thing that you're looking to do against Tampa Bay's defense anyway, which is throw the ball. So I think Matt Ryan could have 300-plus yards and and multiple touchdowns. Is it, is it possible that he turns the ball over a few times? Yeah, they've you know the Falcons haven't been great at uh, protecting the ball all that much this year, but an interception is worth, you know, a a couple negative points here and there, but you know, the yardage and the touchdowns will more than make up for uh, what you're losing on a, on a few turnovers if, if that happens to happen. So um, I do like Matt Ryan this week, uh, again, trying to keep pace with uh, a very good Tampa Bay offense. I also like Carson Wentz this week. Uh, speaking of that game against the Bucks, Carson Wentz had uh, a pretty decent game against the Buccaneers. I think he threw for three touchdowns, had two interceptions, over 300 yards. Uh, like I said, they did put up uh, they did put up 31 points uh, against that Buccaneers defense. So uh, the Bucks, you, again, you can throw against them. That's kind of the only way to to beat the Bucks, and mainly because their their front four is so strong. So. I do think that uh, this week against Houston, Carson Wentz should have a much easier go. The running game should get going a little bit easier, but I think that also helps Wentz to kind of get that play action passing game working and uh, get the ball downfield to to guys like Jack Doyle, who we just mentioned, and and Michael Pittman and and so forth. So uh, I do see Wentz potentially having uh, a pretty solid game against the Texans. And last but not least, I'm going to go in that same game, uh, Tyrod Taylor versus versus those Colts. Again, the Colts, just like the Bucks, are really good against the run, but they struggle against the pass. And I think that, uh, you know, the Texans, they're probably the Colts are going to score. The Texans are going to have to score. And I think that this is going to be one of those games where um, they're going to they're going to have to throw the ball quite a bit which is good for Indianapolis because they do, uh, like I said, they do have a lot of takeaways and, uh, you know, I think it's, a, it's good for their defense, but I do think that again, just sort of like Matt Ryan, I think Tyra Taylor could be forced to do enough 
to score you a decent amount of fantasy points. Again, if you're in a pinch, if none of these other guys available, I think you can, you can go with Tyrod Taylor uh, versus the Colts. We'd like to sincerely thank you for listening to the show. You can follow us on Twitter at the nine route one and at Scott from Delco. We put out a lot of funny and informative information on there. Our email address, if you'd like to email the show, is the nine route FFB at gmail.com. Make sure to click the little plus wherever you're listening to follow the show. And if you like what we do, please leave us a review. Good luck this week, and we'll be back next week with more fantasy football info to take your team deep here on the Nine Route Fantasy Football Podcast.